Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Horace. Good Saturday afternoon and welcome to Ride at Home with Rich. I'm your host, Rich Orris, and today Todd and I will be sharing some tips today from smoke detector requirements to those pesky black streaks on your roof and plenty in between. We're going to do another Q&A style show answering some of the most common questions I hear almost on the daily while out and about running around and, you know, looking at projects for Mosby Building Arts. So as always, of course, I'm going to have my On the Road with Rich and my hack segments. So you're going to want to stick around for both of them for sure. So let's get some things kicked off here. Um, Todd, what's going on? How you doing today? Good to have you with me. Not much, Rich. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's going to be a fun episode today. Oh, I think absolutely. I, I, I do actually love doing these type of things and getting back to some of those questions and things like that that everybody kind of wants to know. So speaking of that, what does everyone wants to know? What, what do we got first on the list here? Well, we got a lot of questions, so we're going to start it off here with a, a question about an older home. So this person says they have uh, an older St. Louis County home. They're thinking of doing an interior remodel project. They want to know what the current codes for smoke detectors are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That And that is a super common question that we get all of the time. And, you know, I think – for starters, before we get into actually what they're looking for, I think it's important to understand why they're looking for it and maybe just some of the statistics and things out there. Because So on average, home fires kill 540 children ages 14 and under each year. 80% of those who die in fires are killed without working smoke alarms. So a lot of people ask, you know, well, why do they make me do this? And how can they make me do this? And, you know, but it's really just for everyone's protection and, and just to keep everyone safe. Some more statistics are, you know, that so when this happens, people tend to be asleep. Most of these fires are from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. So it's just that's the peak hours for fires. Um, so it is very important to have good working smoke detectors and and we joke all the time about you know how there's so many but when you're 
doing it right and you're getting them to code and everything, basically there should be a smoke alarm installed in every bedroom. There should be one outside of each sleeping area. So there's a distance from each bedroom door. Okay. It's, I don't remember if it's maybe like eight feet or something. So if you have a hallway that's got multiple doors and it's like 20 feet longer or something, you might need two in that hallway. Um, And then there's one on each level. And on each level, there needs to be also one of them needs to be a carbon monoxide detector. Um, One basement, first floor, second floor, just in a common area on each level. But that really, you know, keeps keeps enough of them around for the areas and they all have to be interconnected so basically they all talk to one another mm-hmm. and if one goes off and it's super far away and you got a really big home they will all go off and you will know and truly it's a matter of do you want five minutes to get out of your home or 20 minutes or 30 minutes you know there, it's just the quicker you know, and, and if they all go off like that, and they have kind of lightened up on the code by way of what type of stuff they'll let us use. So they used to all have to be completely hardwired to one another, and that can be very difficult to do, especially when you get into big homes, older homes, you get into plaster homes. You know, Clayton, there's three-story plaster homes. It's hard to get wiring. Yeah from the basement to like a third floor attic space. So now they they have come around a little bit and they're letting us do these, you know, wired ones where there's one that's hardwired that always has power and then the rest of them have a good lithium, like 10-year battery, and they work on a remote, so it's like a radio frequency is how they communicate to one another. But it's just good, safe, and and it's really – a good idea to do it. So I plead with people, don't try and forego it. Don't try and not pull permits because of it, because it is a safety issue for your concern. Yeah. So that's for St. Louis County in general. I mean, there's obviously different municipalities all throughout, so they may have different codes for that, right? Yeah, it, it depends on what book each municipality is working out of, but most of them are pretty much up there. 90% of the municipalities are going to be asking for this. And it it just depends on the type of work that you're doing when they ask. If you're demoing enough where you're tearing off drywall and it's easy to get wires around and things like that is typically when we see them start asking for something like that. If you're just doing, you know, some minor electrical work that requires a permit or upgrading something small or something Go ahead and do it right. Get the permits and everything because they won't always require you to do that. Okay, good information. All right, and speaking of permits, the next question is, uh, I'm thinking of remodeling my bathroom. How do I know when a permit is required? Well, and (laughs) that is another great question because it does depend um, on different municipalities. Um, So it is important to remember that in St. Louis County alone, We have 88 municipalities. Ten of them are unincorporated. So there can be a lot of differences. The easiest way to say it is call your municipality and ask Mm -hmm. who handles what and do I need a permit for this? That will get you the actual answer for where you are. A good rule of thumb is, 
especially with like a bathroom, anytime you get behind the wall, if you take off drywall, uh, believe it or not, in a lot of municipalities, there's a drywall permit. They, really? They show up and they look at how often you screwed the drywall to the wall. Okay. Before you can start taping and mudding. And again, that's another one of those complaint areas where it's like, well, you know, it throws us off a day to do that. Yeah. But if you've ever had a thousand nail pops in your house, you're going to wish you had that inspection because they make sure you use screws. They make sure there's enough of them. They make sure that it's going to be good and sturdy and on there well. Um, but once you're in that wall, if you're putting new drywall, then you'll probably need a drywall permit. Or if you're doing any work behind the wall, any electrical, any plumbing, if you're changing the shower valve, anything like that, they want to see inside that wall. So once you get to that, so if you're leaving drywall and you're doing a minor upgrade cabinet, faucet, but you're not going beyond the shutoffs that are already outside the drywall, mm-hmm. New toilet, things like that, not a big deal in most municipalities. Um, you can get right through that and don't have to worry about it. But So good rule of thumb, once you're touching a wall, start calling and asking what you might need for. Okay, excellent. All right, next question. I'm thinking of remodeling my kitchen and hiring a contractor. To save money, I'm considering doing the demo work myself. Is this a good idea? Oh, this is this is a yes or no you know, kind of a yes and no answer here because um, it, it can be done, and and I've had clients even with us that have done that, um, and um, it really goes back into that permitting thing too. So, like one of the jobs that I did years ago, where the client did the demo, we actually had them pull their permits, okay, because they were going to do some of the finish work and they were going to do some of the demo. So we just got on that permit as the contractor doing mm-hmm. the work, and then the electrician, all you know, they all tag onto that. So the owner owned the permit. They got a dumpster. They demoed. They got it out there. So it can be done. You have to. The the two caveats with it is you have to make sure that you do it really well, that all nails are pulled, and that everything's actually ready to go. Because what I see most commonly is. It's just not done up to our par. Mm-hmm. So then once we get there, we got a bunch of nails to pull out. And we still got like this demo work to do. And then we might have to come back and go, oh, we had to spend two or three hours cleaning things up and getting it ready so that we could proceed. Um, and it's usually not the most expensive part of the project. The demo usually doesn't always take that long. If you're in an older home, you've got plaster, mud set floors, and all that stuff, demo drives some cost. But in normal drywall, easy things, you know, demoing a a bathroom that's drywall, not a big room, not going to be as much of a savings as you thought in the end. So a lot of people, once they find out what it costs, just they just decide to go ahead and have us do it and that way they don't have to hassle with it. But it, but it, this whole thing kind of brings me to my my on-the-road segment here because, we, unfortunately, we talk about these permits all the time with clients. And, you know, a lot of people that don't deal with them all the time, they don't necessarily understand the importance and what they really do for the client. And so – 
a few years back, I had a one particular client that had her kitchen remodeled, and they did not pull a permit. And mm-hmm. it was a complete remodel. They changed an electric stove to a gas stove. They did some pretty major things. Um, and her question to me when I was explaining to her, like, um, why they should have had a permit, she's like, well, are permits really expensive? I mean, are pulling permits even expensive? What does it even matter? And so I'm trying to, you know, kind of explain that it's not really the cost of the permit, you know, for a really large job can be fairly expensive, but the the cost of the permit isn't really what drives the cost of the project. But when you have the permit, you need a licensed plumber, you need a licensed electrician, you need licensed mechanical person, things like this to do these type of tasks and to make sure that they're done properly. And then, of course, the city, the municipality shows up and they double check it and they look at it. And and so how I could tell on her home was going into the basement. Okay, her kitchen, I could show you photos of it. It's a gorgeous kitchen. Yeah. Wonderful. Looks awesome. Done by a reputable company, what you'd call reputable, that's been in business for a long time. But I went down in the basement to look at the utilities. And so what I found was on her water heater, they came off the bottom of her water heater for the gas line to this new cooktop. Mm -hmm. And the bottom of the water heater gas line is a drip leg it's meant for housing condensation and then you can clean it out if you ever take the cap off so they turn it into a piece of black iron pipe so that they can screw on a cap and everything and it can let this condensation out well they came off of that so the the line wasn't even run in copper it was run with black iron kind of screwing pipes together to get it over there and then when i looked underneath it where it went through there was a hole in the floor i could actually see the bottom of the underside of the cabinet from where the old downdraft used to go through the floor yeah which is a huge fire hazard they never let that stay because if you get a fire in a basement it's coming through that hole into that kitchen and your kitchen's catching on fire about 20 minutes faster than it would have had there you know it been closed off and then the electrical, they took the old electrical and they just put it in a box in the basement, capped the line and put a live 220 wire from an old range in a plastic box and left it there. And it still went to the panel box. The breaker was still there. It was even on. <laughs> and, you know, a licensed electrician would have removed all the wiring. Yeah. He would have taken the breaker out. He would have capped it off. The plumber would have used copper, done it the right way, would not have come off the drip leg, would have found a proper place. So I'm explaining to her that, so if it's Thanksgiving, you're trying to get ready and and something happens to your water heater and they need to shut the gas off to your water heater, you no longer have a range running also. So now you can't cook while they do that. Mm -hmm. And so there was just a multitude of things underneath, behind the scenes so the real expense is the cost of a licensed electrician versus this guy that probably makes 20 bucks an hour right. for a kitchen bath installer. 
you know, doing the work, things like that. The licensed plumber, they're, you know, that's just more expensive, but you get the right job done the right way. And the municipality is trying to help make sure that that's what everybody gets. So that's really the importance of the permits, mm-hmm. making sure you get the right people in the right place at the right time to do it the absolute best way possible. But hey, for everybody, we got plenty of questions left. We got two segments left. We got my hack. Coming up right after this, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And now, here's Rich's Right at Home Hack. All right, guys, we're back. Time for Rich's Right at Home Hack. And, you know... We're always hanging pictures around the house, always changing things up a little bit, you know, and you want to find an easy way to mark the wall where the nail will go when you hang your next picture. There is nothing easier than this. Just use a little toothpaste. Put a little dab of toothpaste on that hanger on the back of the frame. When you're holding it up there, find the spot, press that frame up against the wall. It's going to leave a little toothpaste mark right where that nail should go. Nothing easier than that, right? Perfect. You can wipe it away once you get the nail in, get the excess off, and voila, your picture's where you want it. Easy. So remember, every week, we got a great hack for you here. You can find them all on my Facebook or my LinkedIn. Search Rich Oris Mosby. Take you right to me, and you can find them all every single week. Check them out. And so now we're uh, we're going to get back here with Todd in the list of questions that everybody has. Where today we're doing the, you know, just some of the most common questions that I hear as I'm out and I'm looking at jobs and you know looking at we're doing some remodeling and fixing some things or leaks and stuff. Just a lot of the different questions that we get here at Mosby all of the time. So Todd, what do we got on the list next for us? Yeah, let's go to uh, another question about uh, a bathroom here, but it's 
uh, more of an issue they have going on. A client is seeing uh, condensation and moisture out of their bathroom exhaust fans, and they wanted to know, is this a common problem? What are the potential causes? And you know, how do you fix something like this? Absolutely. So there's a couple of things you know, to know up front, and it's, it's amazing the, the amount of roof leaks that are actually condensation and not really a wall or a roof leak. Um, I had a, a one I looked at a few years ago where it was right on the edge of the, of the top of the wall at the vaulted ceiling, right where it meets the wall in a bathroom. And they kept getting the same reoccurring water stain. And, man, these, these poor people, they changed the gutter. They changed the fascia. They had a, a roofer came and stripped off all the shingles, and they put ice and water shield along that area to yeah. kind of help ice damming. Because that could be, you know, it could be ice damming in the winter, and then your mark shows up later as the water starts to come. And, and they did all of that. And then finally, it came back again, and I'm out at their house, and I'm looking around. And if you look from that watermark straight up the vaulted ceiling from it, about 12, 15 feet away is the bath exhaust fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm. So I get up in the attic. I'm rooting around, and that pipe just goes straight down to the soffit area right at the edge of the wall. So basically, all winter long – that thing's condensating, and it's getting air from inside, and it's dripping water in that spot. And basically every spring, they end up with a stain right there from this happening all winter long. So the thing to know is condensation occurs because of temperature, because of two temperature differences meeting up with humidity level. So when you have cold meeting warm, whether it's summer and hot in your attic and you're trying to cool the house down or it's cold in the attic in the winter and you're trying to heat the house, you have the two temperatures mixing. And when you have humidity to that, it just creates condensation. And the more humidity in the air, the, le- the least amount of temperature difference you need to create condensation. Okay. So if it's... 32 in your attic and you're keeping your house 72 and that's a 40 degree difference it doesn't take that's a big temperature difference and it doesn't take a lot of humidity to create that condensation so it does happen a little bit more in the winter because your temperature differences are are further apart Mm -hmm. because it gets down to zero or five or ten right and then it really starts occurring so Understanding that is the first step to saying, yep, now what I need to look for is, is my house leaking into the unfinished area and getting these temperature differences? So insulation around that bath exhaust fan is very important, making sure it's covered real well and you're keeping that temperature difference apart. But air sealing around it, too, is the other big thing is to, you know, take some foam insulation spray can and spray around the edge of it try and keep that air from coming around that fan and coming through into that attic space and that's why you get so many water stains around that bath fan because if you have fiberglass insulation air can travel right through it 
your warm air gets out through the fan. So at Mosby, when we install the attic fan, the, the bath fan, and the exhaust pipe and all of that, when we run that pipe through your attic, we insulate it. We insulate around it. Inside of it, we put a backdraft damper. And then on the roof, we'll put a damper. So you've got your damper on the roof letting the air out when it starts to blow. But inside the pipe, there's kind of this balloon mm-hmm. that when the fan's running, the air blows through it. But when it's not, it kind of collapses. So if air blows in the pipe the opposite direction, it'll stop at like the top foot of the pipe from the roof. That will help kind of mitigate that condensation from occurring inside that pipe and just basically keep those temperature differences apart. This is pretty much our standard. So it is, you know, I've had a lot of people like, oh man, that seems like a lot of money for a bath fan. Well, but there's so many steps. And and the other thing that we always like to do is put what we we call an intermatic timer on that fan. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, so you can run that fan for 20, 30 minutes after you're done, you get ready for work, you take a shower, you do all that, hit the button, let the fan run for 30 minutes. It'll relieve so much of that humidity out of that bathroom that it, it again, doing that will help eliminate some of that condensation from occurring and things like that from going on. So there's, you know, you can change a fan, hook the electric up, and just put a pipe into the attic and have condensation problems, or Mm -hmm. you can do all these steps, and it's like four times the amount of work to actually get it done. Right. When you're chasing around thinking it's your fascia or your roof or this or that, and it's really the pipe, and you may think to yourself, well, the pipe is is vented through the roof, so it's it's there properly. It's not like just pumping into the attic, so it can't be that. Well, yeah, it can be because if it's not installed properly or insulated properly – it still is going to create moisture. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's another thing that, you know, kind of going back to all those codes and everything, mm-hmm. that one has kind of been adopted over the past five to 10 years of, you know, getting that exhaust actually out of the home, mm-hmm. out of the attic space, through the roof, through the wall, something to put it to the outside. I will try and remind everybody. You don't want to take it down to your soffits because if your house is built correctly and ventilating correctly, your soffit area is an intake for air into your attic. So if you're going to blow exhaust out there, majority of it's going to just get sucked right back into the attic. So you want it to go either through the gable wall or through the shingles. It can be flashed. It's not going to leak. We can get it to work right and get that to the outside. In most municipalities now, it's in the latest code book that you have to do that. Yeah. And that's that's exactly why. I keep you from spending four or $5,000 on gutters and roofing and roofing repairs and soffit and fascia yeah. and not fix a leak the whole time you do all that. Yeah, makes sense. That is for sure. Okay, our next question, uh, it's, it's an interesting one here. So what is the best way to get the musty smell out of our home we have a dehumidifier in the basement. It still smells, and our home is 100 years old. So this one shouts out to Angela's mom, right? Because she's she brought this question to us, and it is unfortunately all too common and another great question. And again, there's, there's a few things to know and understand um, what needs to happen to help that because there's a way to – 
alleviate it, but the the real problem is it always comes back if you don't find the source. Mm -hmm. So the number one step to getting rid of musty smells is to find the source looking at your windows, your window wells, your cracks in the foundation, looking at the plumbing. I mean, anything that could be bringing moisture into the home. And it could be groundwater with, you know, hydrostatic pressure below the floor. We've even seen it when the water's underneath the basement floor, but you don't get leaks. You don't get the hydrostatic pressure enough, but moisture vapor will literally come through and it just adds to the humidity in the basement. And then you've got the temperature differences, leaky windows, all these things. You start to get condensation. Then you start to get the musty smells and everything. Um, cantilevered areas is a big one when your foundation wall straight and part of your house bumps out over the outside. Yeah. I've seen it do that like bays and front porches. It will encapsulate this area that has ground underneath it and that can bring in a lot of moisture and that. So step one is to find the source. Step two is to make the repairs. Step three, you're already doing control the humidity. You know, run your dehumidifier. What I advise to everybody is monitor your humidity, get a digital hygrometer for each level of your home because it can be different on each level. Your basement's going to be wetter than your second floor. So I have one on every level of my home. I look at them all the time. You want to keep it between about 40% and 45%, which is pretty impossible, but just work at it and you'll be better off. So running that dehumidifier, keeping the humidity where you want it. Then to tackle the smell, you can go into a couple different things. One thing to know is anything paper, cardboard, upholsteries, things like that, if that smell is in there, if mold and mustiness is on there, it's got to go. You're never going to clean it well enough. You're never. It's just got to go and you got to get new. But to get the smell, you can do baking soda. Placing bowls of baking soda around the basement will work. Anything that absorbs um, white vinegar, I heard, works really well. Bowls of white vinegar around, clean cat litter. Anything that absorbs odors, absorbs moisture is good for that. And there is um, Damperid is a product you can purchase to use and put it around and suck up those musty odors. But... You know, I'll warn you, if you start with this step and you get rid of the odor, it will probably come back if you haven't figured out why it's damp, where the moisture is coming from, and and why it's happening. You'll you'll need these bowls around your house constantly yeah. to keep the smell away. So it is good to just get rid of that, and then the smell will be gone for good. So thanks, Angela's mom, for that question. And we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Horace. All right, guys, we are back. Final segment here. Having a great conversation here with my man, Todd. And we're just answering some questions, common questions that we get 
all the time, one after another. So, Todd, what do you got next? What's the most common thing people are asking for? Okay, so I have a, a plumbing question here. It says, recently the pipes in our house bang when we turn the water on. Sounds like someone's hammering. What you know? What causes this? How to get rid of the noise? Do we need to call plumbers or something that the, the homeowner can do to fix this? So there is something that they can do to fix it. Um, it will depend a little bit on if you're if you have the proper pipes inside the wall to where it traps air. But this is definitely you know an air thing inside the the water lines and everything and. Um, at my house, I just changed not too long ago my pressure balance, you know, relief valve thing on on the main water line coming in the house, and it took me it took a couple months for me to get rid of all of them. With yeah, the air that got in the lines because it was the main line, everything was shut off. But basically, you know, to work properly. Your water pipes need a little pocket of air in them. So behind the wall, there's a section of pipe known as the air chamber, and it basically goes up higher than the shutoff at the cabinet. Mm -hmm. And that is there to hold air because air gets in there, and it pockets that air to keep that sort of stuff from handling happening. When you get too much movement or you lose that air and water starts getting up in there that's what can kind of start to cause that hammering effect so what you need to do is actually the opposite of what most people think you want to get rid of air but really what you want to do is add air Mm -hmm. to and that's kind of what happened in my house is when that refilled it all filled up into those cavities and with so many different rooms i had to keep kind of shutting it down let that room drain for a minute and then add it back to get more air back into it to finally get these to stop happening. But what you're going to do is you're going to turn off your water supply to the whole house at the main shutoff and go and turn on every sink, shower, basically everywhere. And what I did is I just did it kind of in the rooms as it was happening. Um, But turn them on, drain water out of the pipes so that then you'll get some air in there then you can kind of slowly shut them all back down, turn your water back on, and kind of get that water flowing back in there. And now you've got some air in there. And when you turn that water back on, you want to do it slowly. You don't want to just crank it real fast and put it on full blast. You want to kind of turn it up a little bit at a time, listen to it going until it kind of starts to fill up and slows down. And then once it's stops running you can turn that valve up a hundred percent if you need to if your laundry room's in the basement doing it at the washer and dryer is a good thing too because it's kind of the lowest area in the house so that'll add you know good air inside those pipes you know down in there Um, as you're doing this you want to flush all your toilets a couple times and let them kind of do that and then they'll fill back up and you know, you'll get some air in those areas, but basically go through the house, turn everything off, reconnect the laundry hoses, turn that water back on slowly, like we said, listen for the whistling as it's going, and then you can kind of get the valve all the way up once that whistling stops and everything. And that's kind of like, you know, gets all the air in there. Now, the next step you want to go around and you want to burp all those pipes. You want to get rid of the excess air. 
So you're going to go to each of the faucets, basically everywhere that you opened up and shut off, go back, turn it on, let it run. You'll kind of hear that that air will come out. It'll be spitting water and air at the same time. Once it's recharged and the water's running, you can just shut that one off, go to the next faucet, shower, do it kind of everywhere. Then once that's done, all your air chambers should be resupplied full of air and that hammering sound should be silenced and stop after that. Okay. That is a great answer. Very in-depth. Hopefully that helps out uh, with that issue. So let's move on to the outside of the house. Someone says they have black streaks on the north side of their roof. What causes them and what would you suggest you use to remove them? So, yes, this can be done. Um, There are professionals that can actually do this if if you search for far and wide enough there's there's people that actually do this for you but those black streaks running down the roof is actually it's an algae Um, i can't even pronounce the scientific name so we're just going to stick with algae here (laughs) kind of a blue green algae Um, it accumulates on those shingles and basically even algae resistant shingles when you look at the warranty on them, it will only resist the algae for so long because as the shingles wear, the, the little pellets, granules in the shingles that help keep the algae from forming basically wear off. Same thing with a wind warranty on your roof. As, as the granules wear off, the shingles get lighter. That's why your wind warranty doesn't last as long as like a lifetime warranty of a roof shingle. It'll get lighter. It's more likely to blow off algae is the same way the way you want to remove algae is one never power wash you you want to get rid of (laughs) yeah you want to make your shingles lighter right get a power wash up there more than just the algae if you do yeah (laughs) you'll need a new roof right (laughs) away um so you never want to power wash but you can basically mix just like a quarter part of bleach in a bucket with three parts water Um, You can do a – just throw in a tablespoon of trisodium phosphate into there and mix that in there with it. And you just basically kind of pour that down the roof. The best way to do it is like a pump sprayer just Mm – and it'll just kind of wash that stuff away as you're spraying and wash it down. Um, There are products you can purchase for it. So if you don't want to go through all the trouble of making these things – Yourself, there's products like Wet and Forget and stuff like that that um, you can buy, you can use the same way. But I do urge everyone to kind of watch where these, where this is draining to and where it's going, because um, you wouldn't want to pour bleach into your landscape. So you might right. want to create a way to capture this and catch it and get the least amount of any of these cleaners or solutions you know into your landscaping stuff like that so you know if you have pipes in the ground that go way out into the yard you might want to disconnect that downspout and put it into a bucket or something while this is happening but basically you can get up there and run it down and clean it all off but think about it for a minute you're on your roof and you're getting your roof wet might be a good spot to hire the professionals. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're really going to want to know what you're doing 
walking around cleaning and, and walking on a wet roof and have a plan for this because it can it can be simple but quite dangerous at the same time. So right. everybody Certainly. be careful. Yeah, especially with a really steep pitch roof. You probably don't want to do that. Yeah, that's Absolutely. Sure. All right, let's let's uh, let's go back to another plumbing question. Uh, this is from a homeowner that happens to be myself, actually. There you go. Look at that. Shout out to Todd. So I have a toilet, and uh, after we flush it, every time it makes a gurgling noise, a really loud gurgling noise, um, how big of a problem is this? How much do I have to pay you to fix this for me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how? Well, what sort of, uh, what's the reasoning behind this? What causes this, and how do you fix it? Yeah, so these can be actually a little hard to track down sometimes. I mean, there's basically two possible reasons um, for this, a clog in the system, or it's not venting correctly. Mm-hmm. You're either not getting enough air, or there's a clog somewhere that's happening that it's having trouble get by, and it's kind of pushing the air back up, you know, towards the toilet and everything. So, in a well-functioning drain system, air can flow very freely inside these lines. It kind of prevents negative air pressure so that waste, everything runs really smoothly down and out. When it starts kind of gurgling, that indicates that there's like a suction building in the line. Either the air is not moving because there's a vent blocked up or clogged or something's in it. Or somewhere through the line, there's a slight clog that's kind of, it doesn't necessarily have to completely back the toilet up, but it can just back the air up enough to make this this noise every time that you flush the toilet. I can tell you I fixed one years and years ago when I was working in the field. And, I mean, we just couldn't figure this one out for nothing. And, you know, we looked at the vents and we did everything. And, and I ran a, a clogger through it to kind of – and everything seemed clear and everything. And it continued to do it. And actually, this was at my my in-law's house okay. years and years ago. So finally, I said, I, I just, maybe it's in the toilet. So I just got to take the toilet off. I literally removed the toilet. And there was a nail file, like one of those wooden, like for mm-hmm. filing your nails, yeah. laying sideways over the, the drain opening. Oh, really? Like it got flushed through there somehow. Got stuck sideways, so it would cause just enough clog to not stop everything from going through, but cause this gurgling and these weird things to happen every time it would flush. Once I got that stick out of there, man, that thing ran perfect, and they never had a problem again. And I'm like, how did really, you know? But so it could be even something that simple. So you may need camera scoping or something like that to see inside those pipes to really figure it out. But hey, I had a great time today. Love answering these questions with you, Todd. Yeah, absolutely. And for everybody else out there, hey, have a good week, and I'll talk to everybody next week. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.